We are talking about episode eight of the 52 Weeks of Reefing. This one was called Tank Temp, Finding a Way to Trust Your Heaters. So much of uh, learned along the, over the years. Uh, so much so that we have, we've adopted this core belief. All right, core belief, everything that we're gonna do leads up into this because this is our guiding light. Mm. The heater is going to die and your tank with it unless you choose a different path. Like That was a guarantee. Mm -hmm. Your heater is going to die and your tank with it. Unless you choose a different path. Unless you choose a different path. Uh, and there'll be multiple heaters over the years, and this is all true, man. So it doesn't matter what heater you choose. Uh, you can decide right now if you want this to be you. Listen to the guidance that we're about to share. Higher path to success. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can be the 1% anomaly that doesn't follow this and somehow is success. But if we took 100 people, uh, the people that followed this council, almost all of them will find the way to mm. uh, success instead of just a crapshoot. <laughs> okay. uh, so we, we are, as we always do, we start with what we believe matters most when it comes to heaters and tank temp and finding a way to trust it. First one is you don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah, okay. This I, is that unless you choose a different path, this is you choosing a different path because you have a choice. Coming from somebody that likes to learn the hard way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know. There's like three different types of people that learn. There's like one that says that will learn when somebody says, hey, don't touch that stove because it's hot. So I won't touch the stove. Then there's somebody that says, hey, don't touch that stove because it's hot. And then you see somebody else touch it and then it's hot and you you learn. Like, don't touch that. Somebody else just burnt themselves. And there's those that group of people that's like, doesn't get matter if you get told, if you get shown, don't do it. You have to go do it yourself and touch that, that stove. So there's types of advice here that you might get this advice from your doctor or something like, hey man, that's not good for you. You should shave off a few pounds, right? <laughs> okay, uh, you, you can get like a few different advice from different places, but mm. I wish there was like various de degrees of that advice. Like, hey, it'd probably be a good idea if you did this thing or didn't do this thing. And then sometimes I wish somebody would just grab your head and shake the marbles, you know, and just say, Don't if you it. continue doing this, you're dead in the next 12 months. Uh, like, oh man, okay, I'm, okay. I'm listening right, to that all right, one, dude. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish there was various degrees to yeah. uh, the counsel that, hmm. that people give, because like, I think a lot of times when people give the counsel, they just get so bored of giving this advice. The same advice. They, the nobody same ever advice. listens. Yeah. They, they just like this. Great assault. So that is why I gave it to this degree. You don't have to learn the hard way. You don't have to. You can choose a different path. And I implore you to because I want you to be successful. All right. So uh, what matters most is dual relay, uh, dual uh, thermostats, uh, dual triac or, uh, or relay will, will have the best success. Ideally, the heating element will not be hardwired to the controller. So dual thermostat, dual relay yep. means that there is in your heater is already a thermostat of some kind mm -hmm. and a, a thermometer. Or a relay. You know, whether it's incorporated into the heater yep. element or not. Yep. Uh, and this thing will turn on and off. But eventually, after a million times, it gets stuck on. That's why we plug it into like an Apex, and the Apex has its own thermostat, and mm -hmm. it'll just turn off the outlet. That's why you could plug it into another, Ranco. you know, just its own Ranco. Mm -hmm. that I think the Auto Aqua has a little block. You can yep. just plug it in. Yep. If it ever gets 83, it'll just turn it off. 
And now you have that, you know, redundancy that these things just one of them turns it off. And then like, like, I mean, you can go to the lengths of like, well, maybe I should plug one into one into one into one and like 16 of these things and get a hundred percent. No. But if you do two, you know, two thermostats, two relays, essentially by having two controller boxes, you probably are in the 99%. Your trust right? for that heater just- Something really bad had to happen, you know, for, for both, both of, of those, those to fail, fail at yeah. the same time. Mm. Especially if you have something like an Apex, like so if an Apex, I get alarms and stuff that will happen. Mm -hmm. And so what the biggest problem with some of the heaters is they should have an audible alarm on them that says, hey, I failed. Right? Yeah. And I got stuck and I'm continuing to rise the temperature. Come save me. Well, what I could do with an apex is I could set the, the temperature to be 78. If it were ever to get stuck on, I can set the alarm and the turnoff to be 79, which in case I now know that this one has failed and this one is still protecting the tank, but I should go change out the heater and not rely on this because now I only have one fail safe, yeah. right? Mm. Uh, to be honest, I don't know why nobody's produced a heater that has both of these two relays, two thermostats inside of it and uh, a uh, audible alarm, a visual alarm and an email notification because that would be the holy grail. Mm. Uh, but uh, in that spirit, uh, that is definitely the thing. Dual relay, dual heating element. Matters that is most. how you will not have this not happen to you. Yeah, I mean, building safeties upon safeties. This next one uh, we believe matters most is uh, everybody. I've seen so many questions asked. I mean, you see it on the product pages, like uh, what what size, which heater do I need for my tank? Uh, what size heater? How many watts do I need for my tank? And there's charts for wattage and different things like this. And uh, one of the easy way easiest ways to break it down is seventy five seventy five. So. We're, we're talking redundancy and having two heaters. Uh, one backs up the other yeah, one. Yeah, one backs up the other one. But the point is to have two heaters, two heating elements that will bring your tank 75% of the way there as far as your target temperature. Uh, so when they're both working together, you're going to hit you know, your 78 degrees. When one fails, because we just said a heater's going to die, your other heater is 75. Uh, it will, will keep you at the 75% of the, not 75 degrees, 75% of your target tank temp. And the reason that we do this is one, like if I had two heating elements that brought, that brought me on their own, they could each bring my tank to 78 degrees. What happens when one of those uh, fails in the on position? Now I have a heating, single heating element that's already able to keep me up and I can, I'm, easily going over the top. It's going to go faster. Faster, so, yeah. yeah. Like pretend I need a 300 watt heater to, if I was only gonna have one heater and I was 300 watts and it was capable of maintaining the tank. If it yep. didn't get stuck on, well, it's going to happen much faster because that thing's powerful. Uh, but instead, if I had two 200 watt yep. heaters, yep. right? Well, I actually need both of them to get up to uh, 78. But if one got stuck on, it's going, the problem's gonna happen about 30% slower, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, you could choose to go all the way down to each one is 50 50. 50, 50%. Yeah, yeah. So I had a 250 watt or 150 watt heaters. Now the problem becomes if they break off, they're yeah. not really capable of supporting the temp, tank temperature. Yeah. Now, you can debate all of this one way or another, all the different things you're protecting against. And the answer mm. somewhat is, do I live in a cold environment? Do I live in a hot environment? You know, what are my redundancies? But if I were to pick a general advice. Two heaters. Two heaters, they're redundant. 
and both of them are about 75% of what you need yeah. uh, individually. Yeah. All right. I said this for a second to go. Uh, you should also, what we believe most is have alarms, audible, visual, and mobile if you can. We're talking, we're talking one of the number one catastrophic tank cause or tank crash causers right here being your heating element, uh, particularly in the on. That means uh, of any piece of equipment that you put on your tank, if there was something that you should have a beeping loud noise in case you're asleep or in case your phone's on vibrate or what have you, uh, visual alarm saying, my God, I'm, I am overheating and you can't even tell because it looks like you can't tell the heat from your eyes, then this is one of the ones to protect. Tank says, come save me, come save me, come save me. Uh, <laughs> I want that to happen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, when you said maybe, I, I fully believe 100% that failed heaters are the number one equipment related causes of tank crashes and failure. This is that piece that we said uh, in the previous episode, which is winning is easy, not losing is the hard part. Yeah. Heaters are avoiding the lost tanks uh, and losing from heaters is definitely fits inside that. Yeah, like, 100%. Just choose not to lose this way. <laughs> uh, you can do it and it doesn't have to be that expensive yeah. as well. So Audible, so one of the visual ones can be as simple as that sticker that goes up, so I walk up. And for me, I, I lost some corals, not the whole tank because the heater actually failed off. And I just didn't know that it was cold and it was probably cold for weeks because I, I don't stick my hand in it yeah. every day. If I'm a, if I'm a uh, bi-weekly or every two weeks uh, maintainer or water change, I wouldn't put my hands in the tank for two weeks potentially. So just answer, ask this question of yourself, right? If the heater broke off, how would I know? Mm. And if you can't answer that, answer it. Hey, figure that part out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actively okay. answer it. And then answer the other question. If the heater got stuck on, how would I know and, the and, and how long would I have to be able to do something about it before it nuked the whole yeah. thing? And death of your tank is not the answer. And the answer like, is cold is probably days, maybe even weeks. Hot hours. is hours. Yeah. Uh, and so answer those questions for yourself and don't just stick your head in the sand and assume it won't happen to you. Uh, and don't wait until the tank is worth protecting. Protect the journey on the way there. Mm. Uh, all right. So also choose reliable over features. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of heaters out there that say, uh, you know, you can calibrate and you can bring your uh, you know temperature within 0 0.05 or 0.5 or 0.2 degrees and blah blah blah. It has this feature, that feature. Yeah, I mean. You know, I used to think of the Eheim heaters as reliable. The, the big Jaegers. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. like for most of you have probably never taken one of these things apart, but you take apart like most heaters with a bunch of electronics and stuff in there yeah. that turn the thing on and off. Uh, with the, the Eheim ones, the Jaegers, all it is is a bimetal thermostat. So it's just a just a sliver of like copper and a different, a different uh, metal on the other side. And based on the temperature, Two little magnets come close together. It's not a single piece of electronics in the whole thing. Yeah, it just like opens and closes. Mm -hmm. I still right? have this in type of thermostat in my house. Okay, so <laughs> uh, my opinion has since changed a little bit. And the reason being is these things don't tend, for me anyway, don't tend to hold accuracy very long. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly, there's a reason why that dial on the top has the ability to 
calibrate it essentially, turn it to what Point it really that little happens to be doing else. at the yeah, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, those things also arc. And so like when those two connections come together, that's when they fuse a lot of times. And lastly, they're giant. So a 300 watt Eheim uh, Jagger is this long. Huge. Uh, it doesn't fit in most uh, sumps and it becomes a safety issue in some cases if you can't, if you start trying to do it at an angle and some of it's exposed and if the water level is too low. So there's uh, some that, there's a lot of them out there that are reliable though too. In that, like warranty, when you, when you look at heater warranties, like mm -hmm. oh, some of them are six months. Yeah, some of them are a year. Some are three months. So yeah, some are super short. I, I've uh, never even heard of three months on anything. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, actually the BRS heater, so that's one of the things we like is that the BRS heater is a big titanium just a, heater. Just a big metal You touch piece it, of, yeah. you know this is something different. It's heavy, it's welded, you know, all of it, yeah. Yeah, you just know it's a totally different thing the moment you touch it. Three so, years warranty. Uh, all right. This is a really important part. This is this is gonna rub. This is the part we've talked about this uh, previous and like again. The more we talk about it, it's because it's that important to talk it's about. It's huge. Okay, every piece of equipment on the entire tank has a usable life. Those of you that wait until it actually breaks has a lower percentage path to success than the people that choose to accept and embrace the fact that yep. it has a usable life. Now, if it's a return pump that costs three hundred dollars to replace. I understand that that's really now, a hard to thing to stomach. All of my 300 bucks out of yeah. it. Yeah. If it's a $35 heater that I've got a year's use out of and is protecting $10,000 in coral, woo, I don't understand that one at all. That one, that one's uh, like uh, the cuckoo's nest for me. Is there a usable life? Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, the uh, life support. If you put me on a ventilator and the ventilator had a 12 month uh, warranty usable life on it uh, and you you know you paid however much dollars for it would you not uh, getting close to the 12 month uh, replace that ventilator for me to keep yeah. me alive if the ventilator said this thing is good for about 12 months and should be replaced at that point should you replace it if i want to keep randy alive ah, right it's still working on month yeah, 13. Let's get, some, let's get some use out of it. Okay, well then, like, let's stretch it then. Let's say I really need that 35 bucks, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, well now at 18 months, it's gone 50% farther than the manufacturer suggested that it should go. Should we replace it then? Or the alternative is now is it's wait. gonna break. It's close. Should we just sit there and wait and hope that we catch it in time? Low percentage bath. And this is, you know, this is specifically in the, like heaters have a usable life, but it's the, specifically the, the uh, mechanical portions, the, the, you know, the, the actual brains of the heater, the thermostats, the different, you know, relays or what have you in there. Uh, you take a, like, would we say, we recommend, you know, changing these out a year, every year. Um, but the BRS uh, titanium heater in the element has a three-year warranty. Do I change that thing out? It's the components, right? The, it's the controller the, the part. The controller part is the one that goes on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. The element just heats up and I'm cools not down. as concerned about the element itself failing. Yeah. So you can go buy a really nice element and you know, they'll probably last many years. It's the, you know, it's pumping up and down or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then if it mm -hmm. fails, like you generally have 
in most cases, you'll have days, if not even longer than that, to solve the problem. It's like nothing's going to go wrong in the next six hours if the heat element fails off. Right? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. It's the controller piece. Yeah. The triax, the uh, relays, the, Could the, fail the bimetal on. thermostats, opening up a million times a year, open and close, open, close, mm. open, close, open, close. Okay, that thing is the thing that wears out. That's the part that should be replaced. Yeah. So that is one of the reasons why those BRS uh, heater con or, th or heating elements are separated is because I don't actually need to replace the element. The element, I need to replace the controller. That's the part that wears out. Mm. Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, in terms of temperature, actually, we talk. People use don't use chillers as much these days unless you really need to. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that people don't know uh, and should know is fans work better than you think. Have a hot tank, throw a fan on it. And you know, the, the confusing part for me is like, okay, so the room that I'm in is uh, you know, sitting at a blistering 80 degrees or what have you, now meaning that my tank's 80 degrees. Wouldn't putting a fan on my tank, uh, blowing 80 degree air across the top of the water, wouldn't that just uh, not do anything? I had that exact dummy conversation <laughs> uh, at one point time, like my air conditioning in the house broke, right? Yeah. Uh, and the tank was getting way out of control. And somebody's like, put some fans on the tank. And I'm like, well, why would blowing 90 degree air at an 85 <laughs> degree tank actually cool it down? Because it seems like it heated up faster, right? And the answer is evaporation. Yeah. Evaporation is the release of energy. Mm. And so when you blow all that Sweet air energy. at the water, cause evaporation, the tank releases energy into the air, essentially. Yeah, all that heat energy. Yeah, and so when you put the fans on, you increase the evaporation. When you aim pumps at the surface of the water, you increase evaporation, mm -hmm. and evaporation will release energy out of the tank. Yeah, so they uh, work way better than you think. Yeah, so if, you, I mean, if you want, I'd even just uh, just attempt this. You know, just try it out and watch your temperature one time. Get yourself a, a fan, a big box fan or something. You know, blows a lot of air, and put it up over the next to the top of your tank, and then just monitor the temperature uh, over a few hours and see how much it actually cools. Monitor how much more energy your heater, heaters soak up too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's a very interesting thing. All yeah. right, so hard lessons in relation to temp. Yes. Finding a way to trust your heater. All right, so number one hard lesson, do not plug your heater or heating element straight into the controllers, particularly the heating element, uh, for a couple of reasons. So if we're talking like your Apex controller, right? I've got eight, uh, I got eight outlets. Um, there's like, uh, what is it? 1300 watt max capacity on the whole EB8 or whatever, what have you. Um, but you plug your heat element straight into your controller, your controllable outlet, and now you're and talking like Apex or any of the controllers, your, uh, your controller temperature probe is what's monitoring and turning the outlet on and off and on and off. Basically, essentially what you did is, we just said you have $50 uh, you know, uh, Inkbird or whatever heater controller that you wanna throw away and replace uh, uh, every year. You're now just turned your expensive two to three hundred dollar energy bar controller outlet into one of those disposable things because you're forcing it to turn off, on, off, on, off, on uh, millions of times a year. Yeah, but millions of times, man. It's actually if it only turns on once, uh, you know, on and off every couple of minutes, you'd be surprised how much that adds up over the couple of years. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, 
Uh, so that is true. Like, don't take your BRS heating element and plug it right into an Apex because uh, it's really not all that much better than plugging it right into, uh, or, you know, uh, you know, just a Phoenix heater yeah. with a controller built into it. You but gotta you, have d double. Yeah. So you, you gotta plug in, like, if I had to give you what I think is the safest, it's probably plug the BRS heater into the Ranco, which is really, really reliable. Mm -hmm. It's proven in all kinds of different industries. And Ranco in this case is the Aqualogic. And the difference here between the Ranco, which is like an industrial thing, and Aqualogic, is they're using a titanium probe in this case, which is designed for seawater. Yeah. All right, so the Aqualogic, and then plug that into your Apex. That is probably the best solution because you got two reliable solutions backing it up, two temperature probes, and then when either one fails, I'll have instant notification to my phone or even the, you know with the like adaptive reef visual and audible outlets or, or uh, notifications mm -hmm. or alarms. Mm. All right, next hard lesson. This one actually, I, I bet you 99% of people that are watching this haven't done this and you might really not like what you see. <laughs> uh, don't believe the thermostat. Hmm. Don't make the hard lesson of believing your thermostat. I set it to 78, tank's gonna be 78. We have tested them out of the box. Every heater I've tested, controllers, I've tested everything. Almost none of them actually are the right temperature. Uh, and yeah. I've seen them off by as much as six degrees out of the box. Yeah. Meaning, go calibrate your heater, calibrate. There's a reason the Apex has a calibration function mm -hmm. on it is to keep it accurate. So but go you, calibrate the thing. Even if you can't calibrate it, the other alternative, I, there's no calibration on my little Aquion heater or what have you. Okay, well, what you can do is put it in the tank, set it to 78. Find out what your tank temp, uh, you know, your tank is, or after the fact, with a couple of thermometers, and then adjust for it. Well, if it's two degrees lower, then I'll set it to eighty because obviously seventy-eight is not seventy-eight. So if you're looking for something uh, that will you can test like a thermometer, I'll give you a couple of different options. One, you can buy a really nice one uh, that is probably pretty accurate, NIST validated. I think like the Hanna one it fits that bill. The really traceable good. little yep. pen thing I like a lot. Yep. The team here likes the Hanna one the best. Yep. Uh, or you can go out and just use three things. You know, so everything's off by a little bit. So you can go out and get uh, you know like any old thermostat of any kind, even one you use for cooking, uh, will probably and then just average the three together and it's probably gonna be close enough for your reef tank. Mm. And I'm telling you, like, you might think that your tank right now is at uh, 78 and you're gonna be really bummed out when you find out it's actually at 83 and you're riding the laser's edge or it's actually at uh, 73 and you're riding the different razor's edge. <laughs> uh, and like, Go find out because you're, you're probably going to be disappointed with the accuracy of these things out of the box, as well as how they behave over time. Like, like again, a piece of metal that does this and this all over that all, all the time tends to wear out, man. Destined it will not fail. be accurate two years from now. <laughs> Your heater's going to die. All right. Uh, uh, hard lesson here. Uh, <laughs> Pegging to the 10th, and actually lesson learned right here on the 160 with that one. So uh, so you have your aquarium or your heater controller, whether it's you know, built in or whether it's like an Apex or something like that. And I say, you know what, it'd be so awesome to keep my heating uh, fluctuation, my temperature fluctuations 
so close that it never leaves 78 degrees. So I'm gonna set my set point for on and off at 78.1, turn it off, and 77.9, turn it on. Uh, that tenth of a degree, which is actually two tenths, or so even tighter than that. Uh, one tenth to two tenth, that means the slightest fluctuation of temperature. You talked about the, your heater turning off and on a million times a year. This is how it hits a million, a million and a half, two million times a year is because you set it so tight. in a million times a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just on, off, on, off, on, off. And you don't want to talk about the, the degrading the lifespan of your heating element or whatever it's plugged into. I, if you had asked me five, six years ago, I would have said, like, why not just peg it to, you know, a tenth of a degree, just keep it at 78. Flatline it. Okay, well, A, back then I didn't realize how many of these things actually are super inaccurate, uh, and I wasn't pegging it to what I thought it was anyway. Uh, but now, I'll tell you, we burned out one of the Apex outlets by pegging it to a tenth because we were turning it on and off probably a million times a month. Yeah. Uh, just on, off, on, off, on, off, on, on, off. Uh, trying to peg it, and I, I would tell you now, like, a half a degree, one way or the other, like totally changes how much a one degree on and off and i just i think even definitely a one degree on and off i don't think you would ever notice and if you snorkeled or dived oh, yeah. you you will feel the currents change and it just the whole temperature underneath the water changes for a substantial period of time until the tide changes back the other direction there's this you know a lot of the, there's a lot of conversation about that that stability piece that comes into mind and like well if I don't have it if I'm letting it swing from you know 79 to 77 don't aren't I, aren't I losing all of the stability here don't I want like the most stable temperature I can possibly get and I mean you said it there like the natural and the natural ocean environment is not one set to temperature all the time everywhere you go uh, and so a two degree switch. These little things in here we already know can put up with a lot of stress and a lot of stressors that we uh, implement on them. A two degree temperature swing is probably one of the least stressful things we do to our tanks. Yeah, personally, I'll probably keep it to one. Yeah. Uh, but even two, I don't think that you're going to see a really drastic yeah. negative outcome from that. Mm. Okay. Uh, this one. This one's really pay attention to this this one because if you if 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 you have this problem go fix it right now yeah. like it don't wait suction, uh, cups, suction cups suck hard lesson where does the temperature probe go <laughs> right yeah. uh, and this means a lot of different things actually yeah. so make sure the temperature probe is always submerged it could never be unsubmerged even if you bumped it or whatever or any other piece of equipment failed meaning if i put my temperature probe in the same area as the return pump and then the auto top off failed and all of a sudden the water level in the return pump gets exposed and now the heater thinks that it's actually only 70 degrees of the room yeah. uh, it's just going to turn on and keep heating it until you overheated the entire tank or mm. the return pump totally fails at that point yeah. uh, so don't put the probe anywhere that could ever be exposed and so part of that is actually knowing where the probe is. So on my apex, I know full well where the probe is because it's, it's a little rot. Attached right? to like a 10 foot, 12 foot court cable. Yeah, in some of my Phoenix heaters, I might know where the probe is because mm -hmm. uh, it has a, a little you know, External line that comes probe. out the yeah. side of it. Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, uh, a heater controller, uh, they will have a separate probe. And like you said, it has a suction cup. If you trust a suction cup, you've to already failed. To hold your failed. probe underwater? Mm -hmm. If you trust a suction cup on where it's gonna hold your probe underwater you can just quit now sell everything 
Uh, it doesn't matter. Like just stop. If you're doing that, stop right now. They're terrible. Even with the magnetic one, if the magnetic one just holds it in a convenient place, so be it. If it's actually, if you're trusting it to hold it there, and if the pull, pull the magnetic piece off the back See what and watch how it happens, right? The okay. temperature probe is going to float to the top of the surface. Uh, also, you should actually pin it. So if, like, if it's a bunch of cords and I were to go monkey with any of the other cords, would it pull that temperature probe I've out? I've had that happen too. Right? That's why the, like, uh, the temperature probes where you can lock them into, uh, like, like a, a probe rack or something like that and actually screw it in so it's held tightly. Mm -hmm. Ideal solution. So for me, like the Neptune makes like that MPR, the magnetic one. Mm -hmm. Not really for me. I just don't really trust to keep it that way. What I would do in that case is I might use the magnetic, but I'm going to actually put a little bit, I drain it, put a little bit of silicone on it and stick mm -hmm. it where I want it to go. So I want it to stay there permanently and then I can use little nuts to hold the thing in there yeah. permanently. Sumps that have that built in. Yeah, that is the way to go. <laughs> That's the way to go. Like, so make sure wherever you put those probes is, is smart. Also think about like, you know, the series of events, you know, like if I put the probe in a different chamber than the mm. heater, what will happen to the heater if the thing stops flowing? Yeah, right? I think I, the rule that I follow is, you know, if you have a long enough cord, I've seen temperature, I've seen uh, heaters with like a less than a six inch or six inch uh, little probe sticking out of it, which is like, what do you, what am I going to do with that? All I'm testing is the water that's getting heated right next to the heater, which means, you know, the rest of my tank could be off, which is why I, was, uh, I try to put the temperature probe uh, upstream in the sump of the heater. So it's always getting the fresh feed of water coming out of the display tank, uh, which is where the more, the bulk of the water volume is. So the display tank is at 76 and my temp probe is upstream, then my heating element knows that, hey, I'm only 76, keep cranking the heat to get me to 78. So I'll, I'll throw one in here too, is uh, you can have more than one probe. So like, let's say you got an apex. Yep. You can throw another PM1 on and put another temperature probe. And I can have one that's in the sump where the heater is, and I know how the heater's functioning now, mm -hmm. right? But I could also throw one actually in the tank, because the tank is what I actually care about. Yeah. So the problem is, like, if the return pump failed, well, yeah, now I know that... Uh, the, the little chamber the little of my chamber, heater is 78 degrees. That one's just fine. The tank's getting cold, <laughs> meanwhile. Right? Yeah. So uh, in some cases, you can actually, if you don't want that big probe sitting in your tank, you might even be able to just kind of put it into your overflow box. Yeah. Right? And you probably want to get real time and whether or not uh, that thing uh, has failed, but it will get colder around the same area as the tank. Mm. So uh, find, consider two probes. And that actually leads into another one, which is the ambient temperature probe matters more than you think. The ambient room temperature is the, I think we've said it before, uh, the temperature of your room surrounding your tank is the, is your heater uh, or your cooler or your heater. Uh, your little heaters in your tank are just secondary. They're you know, bringing, fine tuning, bringing you up to the 78 degrees that you want. But it's actually like the ambient room that matters the most. So, you know, if I'm uh, summertime, I like to keep my house 78 degrees or 68 degrees. Uh, well, that means your heaters are going to be working all the time. Uh, big, well, bigger heaters. Yeah. Wintertime, I like to keep it at 80 degrees. Well, now my tank is uh, has the tendency to be 80 degrees because it wants to match that equilibrium of the environment that it's around when uh, and temperature wise. 
and so I need more fans. The air surrounding the tank, the temperature of the air surrounding the tank more is the primary heater. It's your heater. Right? Heater so, or cooler, same, same. So forgetting about your heater and its ability to fail, it's all those like weird little oddball things. Like a family member decided to, uh, you know, crank the heat up, yeah. decided to, bumped it by accident, decided to uh, turn it down, decided, let's get some fresh air today on a 90 degree day and opened up all the windows and turned the air conditioning on. Yeah. Or the air conditioning broke, you know, and, and all the windows were closed and you weren't at home. And so that's one of the things you can also do with an aquarium controller is you could get another temperature probe and literally just put Ambient. it in the air. Mm -hmm. And so when it's in the air, it will tell me the temperature of the room that it's in. Yeah. You could probably get the same thing from like a nest or something too. Ah, but the hard lesson here is that a nest may be a bad idea. Not so much so in that you're monitoring the temperature of the ambient room, but for a different reason, I'll say okay, in a second. Okay, we'll share that in a second. I'm, I can't wait to hear that one. <laughs> uh, okay, so the, the temperature probe though, if you get another temperature probe and you just put it in the ambient air of the room, I will know if my air conditioning failed. I will yep. know if my furnace failed. I will know if somebody uh, with little teeny fingers decided to monkey with it. <laughs> I don't know if we opened up the windows. I don't know if uh, somebody just did something silly in mm -hmm. the house that is going to cause a whole series of problems outside of my heater because your furnace and your home's AC, AC are the primary temperature controls of the tank. You're just not thinking about it that way. Yeah, we use ambient room temperature probes on uh, this, the E170 and the ULMs when it was in your office, the 750. I just found out the last night that the 750 secondary was getting cold, the tank was getting cold, and the secondary heating element for the 750 was set to be controlled by the actual ambient room temperature thermometer, so it wasn't even kicking on because oh it was 78 degrees. Uh, but it's little things like that that can, you know, trigger something. If my tank's going 80 degrees, 81 degrees, I'm like, well, man, is there something wrong with my house? I look at my house, and it's like, oh, no, it's 76. Something's wrong with the tank in the tank uh, heater. All right, tell me why the nest is a bad idea. <laughs> I wrote that we added that the nest may be a bad idea. Uh, uh, I love smart, uh, smart outlets. I love smart things. I love the smart nest thermometer. Thought I really wanted one for my house. These things were going to be cool. I can control my temperature from not even being at home. I can turn the AC on before I get there. I can turn the heater on before I get home. Come to find out, like, I have a reef tank in my house. And because the ambient room temperature is the primary source of heating and cooling for my tank, I have to keep it, you know, within a reasonable range, whether or not I'm home or not. I can't leave home for the weekend, shut my heat, my heat off or turn it down to 50 degrees because I have a tank in there that now my heaters have to work three times as hard. Vice versa in the heat in the summertime. I can't turn my AC off when I leave uh, because I need that cold, uh, that cold air conditioning for my tank. Yep. So they're you cool. Know, it's just when you have a tank, it's a different story. The nest was about turning up and down based the fact whether or not we are in the home. Yep. Uh, well, now we have other organisms we're taking care of. We got a slice of Fiji living in our house <laughs> that actually requires this as well. Yeah, it sucks. Okay, so in that spirit, uh, another hard lesson, letting the heater melt the sump, mm. right? So this will happen primarily, the number one way this will happen is if you put the heater in an area where it could ever be exposed. And when I mean ever, I mean under any weird experience that you could ever have, it will expose. Number one being, you put the heater in the return pump area and the auto top off failed and that little area evaporated mm. pretty quickly and they sucked all the water out. That's an artifact from what we talked about yesterday of if I don't, if you don't need like adjustable or variable water levels, then for me, the best return chamber 
doesn't have baffles in it. It's just the whole sump itself. The second uh, most important part of this whole thing would be if I got a heater that was too big, uh, being you you know, those big long e-hams. Turn it sideways. And I had to turn it sideways. Uh, and then if uh, anything ever happened, the auto top off would be the number one, or return pump failure actually in this case too. Uh, will be, you know, the problem will be that it'll get exposed uh, and like, it'll melt right through the sump. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, and that happened actually in the auto water change uh, bin at my house. Yeah. Well, it happened here too. Uh, so I had it, it didn't melt through the bottom of the container. Mm -hmm. It melted through the uh, RO tubes that were around it. Luckily oh. it was kind of dangling there, but uh, one of the settings I had were, were, were wrong. And yeah. uh, when it drained all the way, man, the heater stayed on and melted through the tubes. Well, we had it happen in a mixing bin here and actually it crashed the tank because there mm. led to copper in the tank, in the water, in the water change water. And then somebody was doing water changes with that water that now had all that me exposed metal. But basically, it was just the heating element plugged into the wall straight in no controller on it or anything no apex or anything and using the internal controller uh, of the thing it worked when it was submerged in water but once you drained all of the salt water out there if you don't start filling that bin right back up well if somebody let the bin go dry for however many days next thing we know you pull the heater out and it's completely melted. If this, if the heater is in any place that you think that it could be submerged uh, or would not be submerged in any strange form or fix way. Fix that today. Fix that today. Uh, an, a solution to that might be the PTC heaters that we're learning more about. I don't know enough about them right now to tell you about it, but it might be part of the future in this one. Also, we'll I talk. forgot about this. Uh, in terms of where the thermostat is, if you don't know where the little dangly cord is and you don't see it on your heater, it's usually in the very top the of cap. the heater. It's yep. in the cap. Uh, and so like if you're like, sometimes people, you know, the neotherms were really weird because they would tell you don't submerge the whole thing. But then if you talk to the people that actually make them, they're like, oh yeah, you definitely need to submerge the whole the thing because the thermostat's in, in the top. Well, like, well, pick a path, guys. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I always submerge mine and I stuck them on the bottom. I don't buy heaters now without uh, an external temperatures, thermostat, or just the heating element with a controller. So the problem actually, when you incorporate the, the thermostat into the top of it, is that the heating element actually heats the thermostat up and you end up with more on-off cycles. Mm -hmm. And what we have found is that the ones where they incorporate it into the cap, like when we take a 70 gallon tank and try to get it up to 78, it takes 10 times as long as one with an external one because the external one will just stay on until it gets to 78. Whereas the one that's in the cap, it's constantly overheating and constantly turning yeah. off and waiting. And so yeah. incorporating the thermostat or the or the temperature probe into the heating mill itself, it is less than ideal, I guess, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Uh, all right. So uh, we talked about open windows, tank and uh, sump, tank and sump are different, uh, ambient glasses. temp, uh, put it in the return area, super bad idea, uh, letting it melt the sump, the nest, open windows. <laughs> All right, so what's next? 